welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. Matthew chapter 24. As we read Matthew 24, I'd like you to note a few things. The context is the future return of Christ. And uh, notice that this setting is clearly after the tribulation. All the tribes of the earth witness his coming together Uh, God sends forth his angels to gather his elect from the four corners or from the four four winds of the earth into the sky. Um, Therefore, at this point, it appears God's elect are present on earth at the end of the tribulation. Let's read beginning in verse 29. But immediately... After the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father of, of all mercy and kindness and love, uh, we pray to you today, uh, our hearts awakened by your spirit, prepared to worship that your son might be glorified. And as we study uh, your word, your holy word, uh, we pray our hearts are opened, that uh, the spirit will be our teacher, and uh, with one, uh, one loud voice say amen. Lord, thank you for your grace and your forgiveness of sins. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As we open our Bibles today... Um, I want to warn and prepare as each and every one of us. Our time is short and the end is near. We are near the end, that is, of the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> we are in chapter 12. What did you think I was talking about? <laughs> but the end, it has always been near. It's always been near. As we've studied Ecclesiastes, the, the end of our youth, the end of our natural lives, as we have repeatedly heard. And we are nearing the end of the age as well, uh, as we observe an obscure link, really an obscure link, between the writing of King Solomon, who was the son of David, And the words of King Jesus, also the son of David, who assures that his glorious return is imminent. It's 
imminent, could occur at any time. There will come a day, as we saw in our scripture reading earlier, when the sun, the moon, and the stars will be darkened. Matthew 24 assures the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and He, meaning Christ, will send forth His angels with a great great trumpet, and they will gather together His elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. And Jesus assures that on that day all tribes of the earth shall mourn. Unregenerated humanity will grieve as they watch Christ's angels gather together the elect to safety. Matthew is describing uh, what Christians refer to and the Bible refers to as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. And this day of the Lord, it's going to be the title of our new preaching series after Ecclesiastes. It'll probably be beginning around October 17th. Uh, we will return to the New Testament. We will study through First and Second Thessalonians together. Uh, those two epistles can really only be interpreted and, and understood fully together. There the Apostle Paul wrote in First Thessalonians, stating that the day of the Lord will come, well, suddenly and unexpectedly, uh, like a thief in the night. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2. But after Paul's first letter, due to misunderstanding, misinformation, some false teaching that had crept in, some of those who were in the church in Thessalonica feared they had somehow missed the day of the Lord. So Paul writes 2 Thessalonians to clarify, uh, folks, you're not going to miss it. You're not going to miss it. On that day, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 says, The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Don't worry, folks. Don't worry, you're going to get a front row seat. The Left Behind movie series if you remember, it is marginally entertaining. Yeah, marginally entertaining. Made some people very wealthy. But it propagates some poor theology. We're going to discover why in our next sermon series. So get ready to buckle your seatbelts. Get ready. Uh, First and Second Thessalonians, the day of the Lord. I'm really excited about it. I, I really am. On that day Christ returns. All the tribes of the earth will mourn as the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, King Solomon speaks of a day when the sun, moon, and stars will be darkened. But King Solomon isn't speaking about the end of our current age as we experience today, as does King Jesus. Solomon is sharing what he experiences nearing the end of his age, near the end of his old age. He's describing how the sun sets after a long life, a long life, the end of life. He's writing about the experience of an elderly person, an elderly person whose eyes can only see dimly. The strength fades, his hearing begins to fail, 
and it's the curtain closing on natural life. Consistent with the preceding verses of chapter 11 that we studied last week, Solomon is saying, begin to serve your Creator now, while you're still young. Before, the, before that final curtain call, and before life begins to close. Uh, it's, it's like a final act of a play in this final chapter of Ecclesiastes. What I find r- really, truly fascinating is how Solomon employs the same imagery, the same imagery, the sun, moon, and stars failing to describe the end of natural aging, while another king of Israel named Jesus employs the identical imagery of the sun, moon, and stars failing to describe the end of the ages. Really fascinating. With 2,000 years between, or excuse me, 1,000 years between Solomon and Jesus, you know, what kind of book does this? Think about that. What kind of book does this? Only the Holy Word of God will sow a tapestry of thematic and theological truths as the Bible does. The correlation of the end of the ages is not accidental. They they are effectively the same. Because whether you lived and died in 931 B.C., as did King Solomon, or if you're alive today and die naturally today, you still only have one life to live. There's one life to live, and afterward each will be laid into the ground. Your physical body will join every generation that died before us, lying in wait for the final darkening of the sun, moon, and stars. The sound of the last trumpet when Christ assures in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the dead will be raised imperishable. Everyone is waiting for that day. Uh, So moved by the Holy Spirit of God to write Ecclesiastes a thousand years before Christ, Solomon probably doesn't even realize his writing paints a reflection of what is going to occur at the end of time. Paints an image of what will occur. The Old Testament served as a shadow of what is to come, but the substance is found in Christ. Scripture is absolutely amazing. As Jesus declared very boldly, very boldly in John chapter 5, these are the Scriptures that testify to me. He's speaking of the Old Testament Scriptures And yet Christ had to rebuke the Pharisees, saying to them, You are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Father, by your mercy, I pray that that does not describe anyone here today. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, the preacher The preacher Solomon is speaking metaphorically when describing the physical decline in the latter years of life. Uh, He is writing way back around 930 B.C. But as I read it, don't fail to listen. 
Listen for the tone of ultimate finality. The end of the age is, as these words are given to Solomon by the divine author himself, the Holy Spirit. This passage just rings with eschatological or end times undertones. Maybe it's overtones. What's the difference? It rings. Verse 1. Verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim, and the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low, and one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore, Men are afraid of a high place and the terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Friends, as Solomon has repeatedly advised in Ecclesiastes, at whatever stage of life you sit today, embrace it with a cheerful heart. All that the Lord has set before you, enjoy life fully. Enjoy it fully. The last sunrise for each of us will eventually come when you and I will no longer have any portion in this life under the sun. And the preacher also reminds us to remember also our Creator in the days of our youth. You know, so many of us, as we discussed last week, really, we didn't. We didn't remember our Creator when we were young. In fact, if we were honest, most of us probably didn't. In the Bible, the vast majority of recorded conversions involve mature adults, Child conversions are comparatively rare. And besides young Timothy, the New Testament refuses to comment about them. Uh, Most of us, not all, most of us pursued things other than God when we were young. Uh, We pursued the world, notoriety, wealth and materialism, substance, sensuality, false religion... In other words, most of our lives looked a lot like Solomon. Solomon when he was young. It isn't until he is much older when he finally concludes all of that was folly. 
emptiness, meaningless, vanity. It was a wasted life spent apart from the rejoicing and the savoring of the simple daily pleasures that are a gift from God. The simple things. A wife, a husband, a Whataburger. A weekend of relaxation away with the family. The simple good things of life and the other the many other blessings that come available to us through our daily toil or our work. Now, nearing the end of his life, Solomon is in his final chapter. And he's writing, Don't do what I did when I was young. Rather, remember your Creator. The word remember there means... Pay, pay close attention. Pay close attention to God. And next week in his final, final encore, Solomon is going to close this book by saying, give your full attention to the Holy Word of God. What a closing. What an ending. Have you kind of recognized what this book sounds like as we've come through it? Begins with the pursuits, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the the vain pride of life and boasting. These lead Solomon then only to disappointment, disillusionment, despair and depression. And then finally recognizing this, the man, well he begins to rejoice And find satisfaction in the simplest of blessings that are given by God. Our daily bread. And now he ends with a pleading to others. Give your total commitment to God and to His Word while you are young. Boy, what does that sound like? Ecclesiastes sounds like a story of Solomon's redemption. Solomon's redemption. All of us began life doing it wrong. We're we're not really that much different than Solomon. We just lacked the same opportunities that he had with his wealth and status. We're all sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. Yet even at the end of a life defined by sin, Solomon assures There remains God's gift of forgiveness even at the end. Even at the end when we were old. But he says in verse 1, you know what? It would be much better if you'd start when you're young. That would be better. Before the evil days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no delight in them. And before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Uh, These are the evil days. The evil days for Solomon. The days when the body begins to fail. This passage serves as one of the grayest in all of Scripture. 
pun intended. That's grayest. He's turned gray. We know there are late, life, late in life Christian conversions. Many of us have, have witnessed them, even right up to the point of death. But that's not the ideal time to begin serving your Creator, says Solomon. It's never too late to be saved from your sins. But age will make it gradually more difficult to serve your Creator. These are the days when the person says, I have no delight in them. Growing older can, for, for some, bring many physical limitations. It often becomes a stage of life where clouds return immediately after the rain. You know, when you're young, we all have sorrows. Even, even in our youth and in our health, we have sorrows. And uh, it rains, it pours. But then there are all, also seasons of clear skies. Smooth sailing. Sometimes for long periods. But as we grow older, it can begin to seem like right after the rain ends the clouds begin forming all over again. Physically, it becomes like, like dealing with one storm after another. Never clear skies. In verses 3, 4, and 5, they, they all describe the diminishing quality of life as we age. Verse 3 describes it as a, a day when the watchmen or the keepers of the house tremble. That is a reference to the, the failing strength of the arms. The, the keepers of the house tremble. Next, Solomon says, the mighty men stoop. Those who once, once stood strong and mighty, the legs in the back begin to bend. The grinding ones stand idle because there are few. Let's just say they didn't have dentures or implants in Solomon's day. If we still lived in Texas, we'd immediately recognize, oh, Solomon's talking about Oklahoma. They'd probably say the same thing about Texans. That's just what we do. We have fun uh, with the Sooners up there. But the teeth have begun to fail. They, they stand idle because they are few. It gets harder. Those who look through windows, they grow dim. It probably refers to failing eyesight. These are the evil days. The evil days when even looking out a window, things can sometimes barely be seen. Um, wow. Very honest, Scripture is. So honest. In verse 4, the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. Most commentators believe this refers to the experience of increasingly being withdrawn from society. The doors are shut now. Older people don't go out as much. The sound of the grinding mill becomes low because there's less partic participation 
in the daily work. They hear it from a distance. The King James says, He shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Uh, The man's sleep is easily disturbed. The chirp of a bird, easily awakened. Even though his hearing has become so dull, he can't can't hear the maidens sing. Furthermore, they are afraid of high places and the terrors terrors in the road. Uh, They won't climb a ladder. They're afraid to venture out. The almond tree blossoms. That means their hair has turned white. And the grasshopper drags himself along. And the caperberry is ineffective. Have you ever watched a grass, grasshopper walk? Seriously, when you go to lunch today, Google a video of a grasshopper walking. They are very agile when they jump. Very agile. But when they walk slowly, watch that video. You'll know exactly what Solomon is talking about. Very slowly walk along. Um, The caperberry was reportedly used to arouse the appetite. So even that isn't effective anymore to stimulate a person who has no desire. For a man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Well, even those Friends whom grieve the loss have to keep on moving themselves. Uh, Their life goes on. Immediate family members will mourn for a period of time. Uh, What do other people have to do the day after a funeral? They have to go on. They have to go on. I remember on the farm, especially during the busy seasons when they're in the field, uh, the farmers are in the field, the funerals were normally scheduled early morning. People would come, they would grieve. But then after lunch, what would you see? Tractors are running again. The world continues to turn. Everything written is so true. And Solomon in Ecclesiastes has been brutally honest about life and death. You won't find wisdom like this in any other book. Nothing written by man could write it because we don't want to face the music between life and death. You go to some cultures, some of you might arise from other cultures, you don't even talk about death. The family won't even discuss it. You know what I think is occurring in this narrative? I'm suspicious, and, and we can't know for sure. Uh, there's no way to know for certain. I think that Solomon is describing his own experience. It's very plausible he is near the end of his life. He's in declining health. He might even be dictating this letter to a scribe. Nobody knows for sure, uh, but the content reveals uh, this is written after Solomon's experiences of life. Has to be later on in his life. He might be 
really old at this point. And if that theory is true, it explains why part of the closing verse or verses sound like they, they may have been written by a third person reporting what the preacher says. It's all inspired by the Holy Spirit as God would use the scribe who writes the words of Solomon as he dictates to him. Uh, it, it is possible Solomon is too weak, too blind, and too old to write the words himself. His end is near. If that's true, verses 6 through 8 make perfect sense. The first two words of the New American Standard say, Remember Him. Remember Him before the end comes. Verse 6 begins to describe a man's physical estate caving in. The silver string and the gold bowl may describe a lamp hanging from a ceiling. The pitcher by the well is used to serve life-sustaining water to the household. And the wheel at the cistern was an apparatus that was used to lower the bucket into the well to retrieve that same water needed for life. All is given as a picture of life that is no longer able to sustain itself. The pitcher is broken. The cistern, the apparatus, is crushed. So Solomon says, remember him before the silver cord, before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. The spirit returns to God. The body will remain in the grave until Christ returns at the end of the age. The living soul of Solomon is currently with his Lord God in some interim form. But his body has been waiting now some 3,000 years for the final resurrection to receive his imperishable and glorified body. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 8, there he said, Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. And let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. One verse earlier he said, The light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Enjoy your Creator. Enjoy Him while you're young. And no matter what age you are today, enjoy the life He has given you now. That is the overarching theme of this book. And do it all the days under the sun. When they are done, they're done. We will be placed in the ground. We will see in our closing passage next week the final verse of the book of Ecclesiastes assures that God will bring every act into judgment. That's the close.
Enjoy life today, folks. The end is ever nearer. Boy, thank you, Solomon. Thank you for your wisdom.